You're listening to Travel Secrets with Tanya Rose, the podcast that shares wisdom for fellow travellers. Welcome to Travel Secrets with me, Tanya Rose, the podcast sharing wisdom for fellow travellers. Each week, I ask my guests to reveal their six travel secrets and the trips and holidays that uncover them. Today, my guest is the fabulous Vanessa Kingori. Vanessa is known for being the Chief Business Officer for Condé Nast Britain and Vogue Europe for the past 15 years. And from the 15th of February, she will take up her exciting new role as the MD of Tech, Media and Telecoms at Google. In 2018, Vanessa was awarded an MBE and last year she became an OBE for her services for media industry. She was also awarded the Media Mogul of the Year at the 2017 Black Magic Award. Vanessa was born in Kenya and grew up in St. Kitts before moving to London. She's travelled the world on business, but since her son was born four years ago, Vanessa has changed the way that she and her husband now travel for pleasure, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that later. (laughs) Vanessa and I met in May and bonded quickly over our love of the travel industry, but also discussing what she was going to wear at the coronation the following day. (laughs) Welcome, lovely Vanessa. Thanks for having me. I know you are such a busy lady. I'm so delighted that you've said yes to come and talk to us about your travel secrets. Anything for you. And plus, it's one of my favorite topics. You know, it's like the time when you feel most alive, I think, is when you're having those kind of new travel experiences and for me in particular, kind of, you know, sun on my face or back. So this is my happy place. Oh, well, I'm so (laughs) pleased that you've joined us. And you've had such an amazing traveling life. So perhaps before we go into your travel secrets, you could just tell us a bit about Kenya and St. Kitts and where you came from and how travel has impacted who you are. Yeah, that's such a great question, actually, because it has really shaped the way I look at travel And there's something about moving, I talk about this a lot, but there's something about moving around a lot when you're young, which gives you, I think, a different perspective on culture. You're absorbing the differences between cultures at a much earlier age than most, I think. So if I look at my son now, um, and he's pretty well traveled, much probably better holidayed than me at his age at four. He's been to probably at least 20 destinations, but he thinks the way that we live is just the, you know, the universe. And when you immerse, you know, we, I was born in Kenya and my father's Kenyan. We moved to St. Kitts when I was two years old. We moved to London when I was seven. It's slightly different to going on a nice holiday because you have to immerse in new schools and nurseries and get to grips with a different language and so on and so forth. And so what it meant is I noticed the difference in the way that people live and the different way that culture impacts you at a much younger age, which means that when I travel, I look at things through a different lens to, let's say, my partner who was kind of born and bred, you know, in Kent in the UK and still lives here. So I also think it's one of the reasons that I've been quite adaptable to change. And even with the change you mentioned in my career, I think going from one area of business to something completely different, I have no fear of that. And I think travel can really help you unlock different parts of yourself. And I learned that really young. So, yeah. Well, that's amazing to have gone from Kenya to St. Kitts to London by the time you were seven. Yeah. I mean, most people don't get on an aeroplane until they're in their teens, do and they? we travelled on our own. My sister and I flew 
um, from St. Kitts to London with the flight attendant sort of oh, supervising did you? With us. The, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Escorted children exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're really confident flyers and it means you're confident about travel. You realize that there's great people everywhere you go. And cultural difference is actually to be celebrated, not something that should be feared. Because everywhere that we went, people were kind. People absolutely took the mick out of us because we had crazy accents. If you imagine, you know, from Kenya to the Caribbean, they couldn't understand what we were saying, even though we spoke English. And then by the time we moved to London, we had this mixed kind of Kenyan kind of Kittishan, which where even is that? You know, people would say, where? St. Kitts. And so we had this crazy accent. So people would take the piss, but it was never antagonistic. It's just all human. And I think that um, the more you move around in this world, and one of the reasons that travel is so important, it's so humanizing. There are things that separate us, but those things are fabulous and they're magic and it's great. So... Do you go to back to St. Kitts? I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but yeah. do you still go back? There? Yeah, I haven't been since the pandemic and I'm going to get in tons of trouble because I'm going to Grenada as my next trip. <laughs> With Kenya, if I go to any other African country, they always get a little bit upset, oh. you know, but it's important. But St. Kitts is home, you know. Um, I have land there. My mother lives there. I know everyone there. It's so tiny and everybody, you know, knows me. So... I'm really lucky to call three places home, Kenya, St. Kitts and London, and still do today. Thank you to Antler for collaborating with us on the launch of Travel Secrets. Antler is the British travel brand for those who travel often since 1914. With over 100 years of travel expertise, Antler is renowned for designing and manufacturing quality luggage. Each suitcase embodies pioneering British design, combining innovation, function and durability with a lifetime warranty. Explore Antler's latest collection at antler.co.uk. It's an amazing sense of belonging in the so world. So let's get into your travel secrets. Travel secret number one. Mm. What is the number one location or destination that you believe everyone should visit once in their life and why? I'm going to give an answer to this that I think is probably going to annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, me! Well, here, here it is. It isn't a specific place because I think travel is really personal. But what I do think is once in your life, I think it's really important to go to somewhere that's connected to who you are, your background or so on. That doesn't necessarily mean a pilgrimage or so on, but if, for example, you have immigrant parentage yeah. and you could be second, third, fourth, seventh generation, there's something really magical about going back to that place. Um, particularly if you only know it through stories, you know, you, your grandparents or somewhere talk to somewhere. You can go to a resort there. It doesn't mean you have to go on a deep cultural dive, but just interfacing with a collection of people who have similar sort of anchoring as yourself, even if it may be on very different grounds. I think there's something really magical about knowing that there's another place in the world where you could belong or where you learn something about yourself. Even if you're a secular person and your family have traditionally been connected to a religion, once in your life, 
going to a place deeply connected with that. And again, that's not about going somewhere and going to church or mosque or synagogue or what have you. It's just about being around people who have the same grounding as your your, um, parents, grandparents or forefathers. I think it's also similar about, you know, I... I have friends who are really into yoga, let's say, and they go to India and they come back and they have a completely different perspective. So I think that um, even if you feel it's quite a frivolous trip and you don't plan tons of cultural things, just going to somewhere that makes you feel more deeply rooted in who you are once in your life is really important. That's a wonderful answer, I think. And where would that place be for you? Mm. Well, for me, I, um, you know, as we mentioned, I was born in Kenya and uh, grew up in St. Kitts. And so for me, rather than those specific locations, it's about visiting Africa and visiting the Caribbean. And actually what I'm trying to do now is is sort of spread my wings a little bit. So um, rather than going to Kenya and St. Kitts solely, you know, there are trips to Nigeria and Ghana, West Africa, which is slightly different, but also gives me a really great perspective on my background culturally and so on. And again, I'm not doing sort of deep cultural experiences no, while there. Just having just an experience. Ch- yeah, just having an experience there. I'm off to Grenada soon. Again, I'm not, you know, when I go to St. Kitts, for example, I tend to stay with family. It's a very different trip. It's not really a holiday, yeah. right? So I'm going to Grenada. I'm staying at the top of the hill. I'm staying in Mount Cinnamon. We will probably not um, have the same kind of experience as St. Kitts. But just in the interactions, the chats with people along the way, observing from afar how the culture moves, there's something just deeply sort of centering about that kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's a great answer. Wonderful. Thanks. It didn't annoy me at all. It was a brilliant answer. Um, let's go on to travel secret number two. Yes. What is the most unexpected experience you've had whilst mm. traveling? That's really difficult because I think on my trips, I tend to definitely, before becoming a mother, leave things a little bit open for the unexpected. Probably the biggest one, I could give lots of stories here, but the biggest one was um, when I traveled to Bali. So as soon as I finished university, I jumped on a plane literally the next day, went to Bali to meet my friends who were traveling, and we had the pretty typical you know, Bali experience, you know, we, we were pretty basic, (laughs) but some friends of ours who surf competitively, or they did back then convinced us to go to Lombok for a few days. And it was incredible because it was, it was like turning the volume down, you know, it was suddenly like there are very, very few people there at this time were virtually no tourists. So we just were able to observe culture in a non-performative way because there were no tourists and realize the difference between. We went to beaches where there was absolutely no one there. And um, we came across, I remember this guy who was, um, who'd been picking fruit and we're just carving them up for his family. And he showed us how to peel a pineapple properly for the first time and it oh, was how just wonderful amazing. I'd love to know that I always hack at it yeah it's amazingly easy when you know how so just it just felt like a moment of reality 
and recentering, which is a big thing for me with traveling. And, you know, we spent about three days in really basic accommodation. I mean, basic even for a student on a, you know, but it was magical. Every wave and every person we saw and everything just felt magic and still and quiet and then we went back off and then I think not long after that we went to Australia and it was kind of for volume back up you know <laughs> Lovely. For long. but it just was the most um surprising thing and there was a festival there was a religious festival on our last day and we were in a van driving to the airport and we were a bit early so we got to stop and we observed for a bit and everybody was just amazing and kind of drew us in. And it was really beautiful, beautiful. kind of almost dreamlike. Lovely. Yeah. Lombok, beautiful. Yeah, there were, there's a very good hotel on Lombok, an Oberoi hotel, which has been there for a long time. So I don't know if it was amazing. there when you were there, but yeah. actually is a really five star, but actually quite down to earth, five star, very nice hotel. Very nice. Yeah. It would probably be out of my budget at that time. Yes, I think probably would have been out of my budget when I had just finished university and was traveling around. Well, we might too, see but, what, we but might now, see if we can visit exactly. now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go on to travel secret number three. Mm. What is the most overrated travel experience you've ever had? Vegas. Las Vegas is just not for me. Mm. the biggest disappointment of a trip was for a birthday. It was my 30th birthday and it was my oldest friend's 30th birthday. And this slightly strange thing happened. So it's not really the location's fault. It's slightly our fault. We were supposed to go for three days, which is probably the most amount of time you should do in Vegas. Long enough. Long enough. You know, you don't start to see the cracks at three days it sort of hits in on day four but we had lots of different friends from each of our friends group supposed to come and meet us out there and in the nature of those things with bigger groups so there was a core group of four of us fine and then we had different friends who'd say oh well I can come at the start of that week but actually I can't be there at the end is there any way and da 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 and so what ended up happened is we extended it to seven days oh yes <laughs> And with various friends dropping in and we sort of thought that would mean it's like a refreshed trip every time someone comes in. I kid you not, by day four, I thought I was going crazy. We did end up having an amazing time, actually, but we sort of had to go and find it. So the best experience we had there was... Um, to be honest, a slightly hungover trip to the Grand Canyon yeah. when we'd booked this random trip to the Grand Canyon with an indigenous American group. And so they talked to us about the Grand Canyon and about what it meant to, to, them. to them and so on. And that was really amazing and bonding for the girls and so on. But the crazy thing about Vegas is it's fun, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. But there's a kind of sadness to mm. it. There are sort of shattered dreams everywhere there are lots of people when I'm really into talking to people you know servers and so on and everyone that you spoke to said oh well I came here for this but now I do this oh, and yeah. where do you live so I end up making it not great for myself by deciding one of the days when my friends had all gone to some fabulous day beautiful brunch thing I decided to go to an area where lots of the staff live. Just went to a little shopping area. I think I went and had my nails done or something like that. But it was really just to see there are no the signs of life there. You know what I mean? And it was a bit depressing. Yeah. 
So I quite like a place that's geared towards fun. Like I don't, I'm, I love a trip to Ibiza where you can have both sides. Yeah. You can go to the north and have a beautiful time and great food and all of those things. And if someone wants to have a night, you know, out, you can do that. But Vegas for me in particular, I felt a bit sullied by it. I think you're right. It is a place of shattered dreams, I mm. think. What I loved about it were the shows. Mm. I mean, O was one of the best shows I've ever seen, Underwater, the Cirque du Soleil. Amazing. Incredible. Mm. But I think the whole thing that you don't know if it's day or night so that you can carry on gambling. And the bo oxygen being a, pumped in everywhere. It's a little so you, bit worrying. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bit. I felt discombobulated. That was it. That was the thing. And you can take that for two or three days and have fun. But yeah, you're completely right. The not knowing what day it is, nobody walks anywhere because it's so hot. And so they were just, the connecting parts of going from one fun thing to another just didn't feel as human as I like. The Hangover is probably one of my funniest films Mine because too. it literally sums Las Vegas <laughs> up to me. I think it's hysterical. I love that film. I love I might every time it. I see it. <laughs> so hilarious. Food and drink, obviously hugely important in most people's lives. Yes. But I know definitely in your definitely life and in my yeah. life. Can you tell me a little bit about food, but also the best meal you've ever had or the best cocktail or the best just something about mm. food and and where you would go and what you would do and eat again I'm probably gonna have a slightly left field answer to this but this is in the new phase of life traveling as a parent oh my goodness it's a completely different deal so mm. all the things I traveled for when I was younger exploration I remember we went to um, Tim and I went to Croatia and we found this restaurant that was basically, it was someone's house. And you go to their living room and they'd make you, they, they wouldn't tell you, they would just have. Whatever and things they cooked that day. And it was complete exploration. It was amazing, fabulous. Now I have decision fatigue. As I've gotten older <laughs> um, and <laughs> I don't want to go on the hunt and have a kind of 50-50 <laughs> experience anymore. Not right now. I've suddenly begun to really appreciate resorts. And when I was younger, I was really down on resorts. Mm. I thought, God, how lazy, how lazy you'd go to somewhere where they just serve you all the fabulous things. Now I'm like, my goodness, thank the Lord. Somewhere where there is a really, really good curation, where there is a good selection. So we went to the Max Royal Resort in Kemar in Turkey. And there they have the most incredible meal, Alfredo Russo, the Michelin star restaurant there. I can't remember how many restaurants there are. Let's say there are seven. There are probably more. I really appreciate that now. A really good curation. And you can have a really incredible meal one night and the next day have something that's much more rustic and local and so on. And I think that for me right now in the way that I'm working, the intensity of my work the number of decisions that I'm needing to make, managing tons of people as well, needing to make decisions day in, day out about my career, my son, my team, my so on. Now a really key part of travel is to go somewhere where the number of decisions are reduced, but the quality is really high yeah. so that you're going to hit your mark every time. So for me, um, that, I mean, that's really fresh in my mind because that was our last big trip, but that 
meal and cocktails there that came about super easily was there's something about the ease and the experience that made it amazing. I also think when you have kids and we've talked about this, your whole life of travel changes. Oh, because basically the kids have a good time, you yes, have a good time. Yeah, yeah. And so you do look at different things and resorts and things like that. So I go every year with my family and my extended family to Forte Village in Sardinia because Amazing. we have six grandchildren, well, wow. my husband does. And the fact that they can play football, mm. they can swim, they can do all things all day. And then at night we meet for dinner. Yes. But so in the day, everyone does their own thing. And I spend the day in the spa, which is very nice. <laughs> That's my other great, you know, sort of um, indulgence. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so interesting now when we're looking for destinations, we look at kids club activity almost first yeah. and then work backwards because the holiday is only as good as the person having the least good time is yeah. what I've learned. Yeah. If there isn't a great kids club and my son isn't engaged and therefore my partner and I don't get some downtime as well as some family time, don't enjoy it. Yeah. My partner is a very active person. He's big on his bike. Yeah, he goes everywhere on his bike. Everywhere on he? his bike. But it was funny when we were in Turkey, he was like a celebrity, oh, you know, because really? he was doing these cycles and people were coming up to him saying, are you Tim? You know, oh, from, that's extraordinary. But, it's his outlet. Mm. And if we go somewhere that's too still, he just doesn't have the same enjoyment. Mm. So that's my new motto. The holiday is only as good as the person having the least good time. Yeah. So no, everyone has to have a great time. It's a good motto. And I've got <laughs> lots of places that I'll send you. Lots of tips and places oh, I can send you tips. with your families. <laughs> so that's travel secret number four. Mm -hmm. On travel secret number five, what is your best insider travel secret? I think... It's about connecting with people. So for me, wherever I go, I always have an in-depth conversation with the driver, first of all, and not just a what's it like where we're going to, but about them. Drivers are the taxi drivers, the transfer, those guys. They're the ticket to everything. What's their family like? How far away do they live? What's their favorite thing? Where's their favorite place to eat? So I love to speak to hotel staff, but I really like to speak to drivers in particular. They can unlock a whole different side of things that I think often with hoteliers, they want for us to have the most beautiful, polished experience. And who doesn't love that? Yeah. But sometimes you get a slightly different read. So, you know, when I was last in Kenya... The driver we had there, Jehu, he really unlocked this amazing experiences for us because he told us about places we wouldn't know existed otherwise. We visited Barack Obama's grandmother. I mean, we actually oh. went and Met saw her, her and sat Did with you? her oh, Yeah, wonderful. not long after the election because he happened to you know, no, grow no. up in the same village. And so it's like, this is amazing. amazing. So always talk to the staff, particularly the drivers, because they see it all and they've been everywhere. And I think it adds a different layer to the trip and a different type of curation to the brilliant curation a concierge will give you. I totally agree with you. And it helps you get under the skin of that destination mm. and travel more like a local, not a tourist, I exactly. think. There's a wonderful taxi driver in Marrakesh and I will find her name, but she <laughs> always drives me around. Mm. And so when I'm staying at the Royal Mansour, which is fantastic, I also want to go shopping, but not shops that everyone else goes to and not just in the Medina. Yes. And this taxi driver knows the best shops and Amazing. literally spends 
a day with me and takes me to all these amazing places. So I couldn't agree more. We stayed at the Asadi in um, Marrakesh and it was amazing. I think that Marrakesh is a place where curation actually is really important. It's uh, it's not a sort of wander around and find it on your own sort of place mm. per se. But we stumbled upon a taxi driver who became a bit of a pal as well and took us to this amazing Berber leather making factory is the wrong word it was a sort of traditional leather making place and it was one of the most out of this world experiences I've ever had so this community that live mostly in the mountains once a year they come down with the sort of mountain goats and they make the skins to make the bags that then are sold it was quite brutal to be honest but it was amazing where they were making rugs and skins and things like that and I just you would never have had that experience and that understanding of the product you might be buying. You know, everyone goes and buys a rug, you know, yes, in America. It just means that the things you end up buying when they're hung in your home, they have a different kind of deeper meaning mm. and enjoyment and memory. So yeah, talk to locals. Talk to locals, absolutely. <laughs> it's all about local. So travel secret number six. Yes. What memory from a holiday or trip is still poignant for you now? A trip I took to Kenya in 2009 was probably my most poignant trip because we stayed at a lovely resort and terrible at remembering the names and it was luxury all the way and beautiful in um Khalifi which is beautiful but because we got speaking to Jehu our lovely taxi driver we ended up having these really amazing, I was there with my sister, incredible experiences where we went out to really rural areas and I got to understand um, deeper elements of the culture that my family hadn't spoken about and so on. So we went to uh, a restaurant, which was basically just a shack and it's run by fishermen's wives So they made us a meal that I've had a million times, which is basically fried fish and something called sukumawiki. They wait until the husbands bring in the fish and you see the fish come in. And then they through, they have no electricity, no gas, nothing. And you wait with them while they make the food. We help them make the food. And then you sit inside this kind of makeshift restaurant and eat this incredibly fresh food. And I've eaten this dish a million times, but suddenly it just lives differently in my mind. Mm. And it was right around the time of Obama's presidency. And in Kenya, everybody was going crazy because he's Kenyan. And so... This, this, we were in Obama territory. And so we got to meet Obama's grandmother and she welcomed us into her home, which was so nice. We saw the compound that his father had grown up in and all of his forefathers had lived in and were buried on. And we understood a new poignance of a cultural tradition in Kenya where um, basically when you are going to someone's home, you bring a gift, but you bring a very practical gift which is in anticipation of their hospitality. So we, on the way there, Jehu took us to a supermarket and we got tea and sugar and flour and so on, knowing that she would serve us tea and probably some oh, sort of wonderful. sweet. We saw where Michelle Obama slept on the floor when she went there. 
And, you know, we're in really rural, rural area. And then that evening we go back to this beautiful plush hotel, you know. So the understanding, I think, for me is that the way that I think Africa often is described to the West is so offbeat because both experiences were not present in the way I think that we talk about Africa. There was no deprivation, even in the rural areas. It was actually super rich in culture, in food, in everything, but it was, you know, simple. And basic. And, and basic wonderful. and beautiful and all of those things. Lots of stories, lots of culture, lots of myths and legends and celebration and so on. And then on the other side, there was this beautiful luxury. And so it was so poignant for me. And it sums up what I love about travel is that one location can offer so many things. Each location can be more than the headline. And through travel, you can discover more about a culture, but most importantly, about yourself. So there are lots of things I'd eaten or the the practice of bringing a gift. You know, my family are really big on if you go to someone's house, you have to bring, I mean, they're almost to a point of kind of obsession, but I didn't know where it came from. And what he did was strip it all back. You're replacing the ingredients that she would have used in her hospitality as a thank you ahead of time. I felt more grounded and it was beautiful. That's amazing. There is a wonderful quote, which is the traveler sees what he sees. Mm. The tourist sees what he has come to see. Which I think is wonderful because actually you want to be a traveler and you want to open your eyes and just see anything and everything and experience it instead of just doing the tourist Ticking it off. Where you're (laughs) another photograph, another place. Tick it off. I think the other really important thing about that trip, which I keep reminding myself, it was pre-social media. And so my experience was very in that we took tons of pictures and, and so on. And I always remind myself of that trip because the things that were accidentally unlocked were because we were super present. We were having conversations. We were saying, yes, let's do that. We were not obsessed with capturing the moment on film works. We were really about living it. And so I think that's a probably a good summary of lots of my other travel secrets, which are speak to locals, you know, um, go to somewhere that's connected to who you are to get a deeper understanding of who you are and all of those things. But yeah, I love that. Be a traveler, not a tourist. Exactly. A traveler, not a tourist. And actually talking about photographs, I asked you to bring a photograph or yes. two photographs or however many photographs <laughs> that sums up travel for you or has got that amazing memory. Mm. Can you just talk us through the photograph? So my two photographs, I think, perfectly summarize that trip to Kenya. One is um, me in the fisherman's wife's kitchen. Amazing. Stirring my pot of maize and being a complete menace because <laughs> they had this amazing well-oiled machine of a kitchen, which is beautiful, outside. And they let me get involved in cooking and understand how things came together. And the other of me in the infinity pool back at the hotel. And it's the same trip and they're taken hours apart, but it's two very different experiences. And that's the beauty of travel. How wonderful. (laughs) Vanessa, thank you so much for sharing your travel secrets. It's been a delight and a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It makes me want to immediately book a trip and I'm... Jump on a plane. Yeah, I'm getting on one soon. I'm I'm off to Grenada and I really, really cannot wait. So you made me more excited and made me think a bit, remind myself of um, what that trip should represent. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Travel Secrets. I'm loving making this podcast and want it to reach as many people as possible to build this community of fellow travelers. So please do subscribe on your favorite podcast app and share with a friend. I'll be back next week. And remember, this podcast might not change your life, but it might just change your plans.